welcome to Illuminating the Scriptures, a study of Nevi'im. In this series, we explore the words of the prophets and delve into the meaning and significance of these sacred texts. Sefer Yeshaya, the book of Isaiah, chapter 2, verses 5 through 22. The theme over here is the ultimate triumph of God's truth and the prediction that everything that people honor and people look up to and people are proud of will be revealed as empty and will be laid low. The prophet starts in verse 5, Beis Yaakov, house of Jacob, let us walk and go. Let us together walk in the light of the Lord. This is a continuation of the previous passage which spoke about in the end of days, the culmination of time, all the nations will come to the house of the God of Jacob to learn and to worship God and the prophet is turning to the Jewish people who already possess God's truth and he's talking to them and he says why don't we appreciate what we have let us walk together and walk in the light of God because this is our possession this is our heritage the prophet now turns to the house of Jacob and he says you have abandoned your nation house of Jacob meaning to say he's talking to the Jewish people and telling them they have abandoned what they stand for as if they left what the Jewish people stand for and abandoned that, put that behind, and went after foreign ideas. Kimolu Mikedem, they are filled from the East. The East represents the the, the place of sorcery, the place of, of uh, magic, people, necromancy. They fill themselves up with sorcery from the East. Another way of interpreting this is they fill themselves up more so than the people of the East. V'aynanim kaplishtim. Aynanim is another form of sorcery, necromancy. Uviyaldei nachram yaspiku. And with the children of foreigners, they satisfy themselves or they busy themselves. The concept over here is, in a certain sense, the the underlying point of God's truth is recognizing God is the sovereign, He's the king, I'm not the king. The idea of recognizing that God is the sovereign means I'm accepting the position that God put me in, in society, the blessings he gave me, the blessings he didn't give me. I accept all that. He's the king. He's the boss. The other alternative is I'm the boss. And sorcery and magic means I'm trying to get out of nature what nature doesn't want to give me. I'm going to try to manipulate nature. I'm going to try to manipulate and get in in ways and methods that God didn't design as part of the fabric of human life, normal human life, and try to gain an advantage and strive to get advantage that doesn't belong to me. This concept of satisfying themselves with children of foreigners, one interpretation is literally the Jewish people didn't respect their own heritage. They assimilated, they married out, they married into other nations, and they ended up busying themselves with children of other nations. That that became the goal in their life. That became a family lives to give a better life to its children. And basically, they were producing children for other nations. Another way of understanding this is it doesn't. It's not referring to literal children. It means concepts that other nations, that foreign nations, gave birth to, created these concepts. That's what satisfies the Jewish people. They're satisfied to live according to the goals and ideals that other nations have created instead of appreciating the truth of their own heritage. Vatimale Artsai, Kesev is 
Their land was filled with silver and gold. Vain There is no end to their treasures, to his treasures. Vatimole Arce Susim. His his land was filled with horses. Vain There is no end to his chariots. The idea over here, again, following God, worshiping God means accepting what God gave you. The the idea of having so much treasures that there is no end to the treasures. Horses would be a reference to military might. Horses were used like we use tanks today, horses and chariots. There is no end to it. it means that it, it, I'm not just gathering the wealth and the horses for a specific purpose because then there would be an end. Once I can achieve my purpose, I don't need any more. But if there's no end to it, that means it became a purpose in and of itself to have a lot of money, to have a lot of horses. And the point is, I'm never satisfied with what God gave me to the extreme that I'll, there's no end. I'll, whatever I have, I'll need more. And that became an ideal and it became a way of life, which is the very opposite of the way of life that God has in mind for mankind. Vatimole Arce Elilim, his heart was filled with, his land was filled with idols. Lamasa Yodavishtachavu, to the work of his own hands, he bows, he, he lays himself low. Lasher Asuetz Ba'isav, to that which his fingers have fashioned. The idea is, is that, again, two choices. Either God is the sovereign or I'm the sovereign. If I am the sovereign, then the ideas that I consider worthy of striving for could be represented by an idol uh, that, that I created by myself. I can create an idol and that will be my, my, my goal that I see myself as smaller than and something that I have to strive for. So going together with the idea of gathering gold and silver and and gathering uh, horses it, to no end is the idea of creating idols creating idols that i see as bigger than me like an idol would be let's say made out of silver and gold and that's, that that represents the ideal of having a lot of money that's above and beyond me and i see myself as smaller than it until i can somehow achieve something you know of what the idol represents vayishach adam vayishpalish Man was laid low and people were humbled. And do not bear them. This could be a reference to ultimately man will be laid low, he'll be humbled and he'll be embarrassed from this wrong worldview that he adopted. And then the prophet turns to God, I know that you will not forgive them. You're not allow them to get away with, with this idolatry, with this wrong attitude in life. Another way of understanding this is that when man worships idols, what he is inevitably doing is making himself small. Man, in, in, a, is, in a certain sense, is the crown of God's creation. He's the ultimate servant of God. Man was put here in the world to bring all of creation to God. When man sees himself as small if I don't have that amount of money, or I'm small if I don't have that amount of military power, he's taking money and military power makes something bigger than him, and I have to strive to get that, and I have to achieve that. A man with more military power than me is greater than me, and an idol that represents military power to begin with is greater than me. That's that's diminishing man. So idolatry inherently is diminishing man, and this whole worldview of seeing these material goals as the ultimate success in life diminishes man. Boyvatsur, the prophet turns to the people and tells them, Boyvatsur, enter into the rocks, Vitamin Ba'afar, and hide yourself in the sand or in the dirt. From the fear of Hashem, fear of the Lord, from the majesty of his glory. The point is, just like in English we use the expression, person when he gets very embarrassed, he wants to bury himself. The prophet is saying, 
go bury yourself, go go hide. And the concept is that being dead and buried in a certain sense is more honorable and is, is a greater position than the stance that they have taken against God or against God's truth. The eyes of the haughtiness of man will be brought down. And the, ha- the arrogance of man will be laid low. Hashem alone, the Lord alone will be exalted on that day. It means anything that people were proud of, pr- proud to be associated with what they considered achievements in their life, they'll realize that it's, it's, it's an embarrassment. It's not an achievement at all. Key, because... There's a day for the Lord of hosts. In other words, God has a day in mind when he's not going to allow this falsehood to continue anymore and he's going to intervene and stop it. I'll call Ge'evaram on every haughty and arrogant one. I'll call Nisa on every high one, anyone who holds himself high. B'shafel, he'll bring them all down. I'll call Arzei Halavanai and upon all the cedars of Lebanon, Haramim Vanisayim, that are high and exalted, and all the oaks of Bashan. Lebanon and Bashan are places. Lebanon was known for having tall cedar trees. Bashan was known for having it's a region in the land of Israel, northeast of Israel, which is known for having these great oak trees. And this is a metaphor for authority, royalty, uh, social power. Valkol Heharim Haramim and all the high mountains, Valkol Agvois Hanisois, all the hills that are lifted up. These are also metaphors for ideals and concepts that people look up to and consider them, themselves successful when they associate themselves with these concepts. And in truth, they're, they, they are just but creations of God. Valkol Migdal Gavaya and upon every high tower, Valkol Chaima Bitsura and upon every fortified wall. That means the day of God is upon all these things that people look up to. Here, high towers, fortified walls will, will, will be a reference to military might. Valkol Aniyas Tarshish and upon all the ships of Tarshish. Tarshish was a sea, the north east of the Mediterranean or the eastern section of the Mediterranean would be called Tarshish. It's one way of understanding it at least. And but the point of it is that these were ships, merchant ships, which carried merchandise and represent financial wealth. Valkol Sachemda, Sachemda are palaces, Sachemda of desire. I mean, all the beautiful palaces. This would represent the haughtiness that comes along with financial achievements, and all of this will be brought down. Vishach Gavus Adam, it will be brought down the haughtiness of man, the height of man. Vishafel Ruma Nashim, and the exaltedness of man will be laid low Hashem alone, the Lord alone will be exalted upon that day the idols will utterly disappear, they'll utterly be destroyed, meaning to say is that the other items that we were talking about social standing, military might certain concepts that people respect in, in society, financial uh, wealth all of these have a place in in a true society, in a in a, a, a society that worships God. These are tools that God put in place to have a functioning society. They're not meant to be goals and ideals, but they exist. They exist in a society. But the idols that represent these things have no place in, in, in God's world. And they'll be completely and utterly destroyed. 
the people will enter into the caves and rocks, tunnels of dirt, from the fear of the Lord, from the majesty of His glory, when He stands up, when He arises to crush the earth. The concept of crushing the earth is when a society is built and on these thoughts and these concepts and and that's how the whole society functions is that this is what's considered success having a lot of money or having a lot of power or or being you know socially connected or finding a situation of authority and that's the whole way the society is functioning the only way to fix that is that the society has to fall apart and that's what's going going to be described in chapter three the entire leadership of the society will be removed and that's the crushing of the earth that we're talking about Upon that day, man will throw away he will throw away his idols of silver and his idols of gold that he made to bow down to, that he created these idols in order to bow down to, and he will throw them to moles and to the bats. Moles and bats are creatures that cannot see. People will throw their idols to these creatures. It's a metaphor. It means they'll be so embarrassed of the idols, they'll, they'll so to speak, say that these idols are only worthy of beings, of creatures that cannot see, because anyone with eyes in his head should understand that it was silly and foolish to worship these idols. To enter into the crevices of the rocks, of the cracks that you find amongst the boulders, from the fear of Hashem, of the Lord, the majesty of His glory, when He arises, to crush the earth, again, to crush the society. The prophet turns to his audience and he tells them, step back, pull back from man. That he only has breath in his nostrils. What, what is his worth? What is his, his importance? In other words, all these things that people are, are worshipping is because they see a person that has wealth that's a person that's worth emulating that's that's a goal in life that's that's the man i want to be the person that and, and this could be in wisdom it, it could be in in any area of life and he's saying after everything said and done man just has breath in his nostrils in other words man is not the source of blessing he he has breath in his nostrils means he's a dependent being he needs god every second to keep him alive if you hold back his breath he's gone in a few minutes this is in the book of Daniel, chapter 5. Daniel rebukes the Babylonian king for not appreciating and not respecting the God that holds his breath, the king's breath, in his hand. In other words, the breath in people's nostrils represents the idea that we are dependent beings. And therefore, anything that man can achieve or anything that man is or we see him as is never something worth a goal in and of itself worth worshipping. Maybe you have a righteous person, it's worth emulating his example, but it's never worth worshipping him because he's still a dependent being, he's still a servant of God. You always have to go back to the source, the God which is a source of all blessing. So to recap, the prophet has given us a clear description of how God alone will be exalted on that day and anything else that people honor, anything else that people look up to, anything else that people look as look up to as a goal worth living for, worth striving for, will be laid low. The only thing that's worth living for is God's truth.